Tia Tapia Kaita, Te Mana Finua, Te Mana Tipuna, Te Mana Tangata, Tino Rangatira Tanga, Motata, Amokauri, Amuriakene. I'm Mariah Rakraku and you're with Te Ahika. We're in Kaitahi country again this week with a 21st century approach to the Treaty of Waitangi. So what did I always say on browning up the polytech? Now that doesn't necessarily mean brown bums on seats. It means that whoever we graduate from here knows exactly how to interact with iwi. And if they don't, then we've failed. Dr Kyla Russell explaining her role as kaitohutohu at Otago Polytechnic. That stems over to a wānanga based in Ōtaki. To wānanga Ōraukawa, uh, who uh, took a claim against the Crown insofar as they did not provide an establishment grant at, at the time that uh, the three wānanga were legislated and then uh, set up. Then we're back in Kaitahu at Takahanga Marae learning about its connections to a famous whale. Before we check out the diversity of Māori musicianship at the Kopapa Māori Music Week extravaganza known as Pau Pau Pau. That's all coming up. In our programme this week, we're jam-packed with Kaitahu or Naitahu dialect. K's replace NG for our largest iwi based in Te Waipounamu, the South Island. The meaning doesn't change, so for example, runanga, the word for council, becomes runaka. Kawanatanga becomes kawanataka. Now remember a few weeks back we were talking about how kai placed before a word then makes that word describe a person? So if the word is tohu tohu, which means advice, a kai tohu tohu is an advisor. Hohunu means deep. Mita, as in te mita o te reo, refers to the enunciation, intonation of reo, or the language, like the flow of the language. So at kapahaka competitions, there's always a category judging te mita o te reo. It's often highly contested too. Mātāwaka is a collective term used to describe iwi from other waka. Whakawātia means to clear. So listen to this. Māku e whakawātia he wāhi mō tō taua tūnga whare. I will clear a section for our house site. Whakawātia. And here's another phrase you can learn. Kaore o te mōhio. I don't know. Kaore o te mōhio. Committee? Committee. That's another week of Nakupuho and new words, and there's a listing of the words and meanings at our website, radionz.co.nz forward slash te ahika. Otago Polytechnic takes its responsibilities under the Treaty of Waitangi seriously, developing strategies, getting managerial buy-in, establishing memorandum of understandings with iwi and various education bodies, and appointing a kai tohu tohu. Tēnā 
Now, your role here at the Otago Polytechnic is the... Um, the Kei Tohu Tohu, um, and that is, the, I guess, the Māori, overseeing Māori strategies, uh, curriculum content and um, treaty training and development of staff for st- and for students um, within Otago Polytech. So I sit on the senior management team. So have you taken over that position from someone else or mm-hmm. have you com- you've completely created it? Yes. In 2004, as a consequence of the previous CEO wanting membership to, to Tapua Rehua, a tertiary company, she went to Christchurch to get direct entry and was told that she needed to come back and engage with the, um, the Papatipurunaka. And until that was done to the satisfaction of the Runaka and Te Tapawai, there was no membership. So over about a two-year period um, in one of my other lives, I was part of the Mana Whenua um, Education Working Party for the combined Runaka Kiaraituru. And we discussed and debated terms of reference for a memorandum of understanding between ourselves as Runaka and Otago Polytechnic. Um, and so we discussed that with a team here who were doing that negotiation on behalf of the Otago Polytechnic Council. That memorandum was signed in 2004, and um, I was appointed, or maybe it was 2003, and I was appointed at the end of. 2005 or six, one of those. Anyway, one of the conditions of, of the memorandum was that a kaitohu tohu appointed at senior management level um, was a requirement, as were scholarships, creation of scholarships for kaitohu um, from the full papatipu as well as uh, waka who, uh, you know, whom we have the care of. And um, also... We have down here what's called Manaponamu, so that's where um, schools put up for recognition junior kids, and that's based on their peers, the community, and the school um, at junior level as well as at uh, final year students. And so all of those final year students are offered scholarships here as well. So there's that, but also alongside the creation of the position of Kaitohuta, who was the uh, the, the development of a Māori strategic framework. And that was made possible by the creation of what we call a komiti kawarataka, or a treaty committee. And so that's comprised of staff members, um, council-elected member, as well as the two uh, runaka members of, on council, a third runaka member, um, a seconded mātawaka member, and me in attendance. So that committee itself drafted the terms of the um, Māori strategic framework and that then went back to Runaka and to Council for comment or amendment, additions, deletions, alterations and then that's what we adopted for, for the next five to six years. And what are some of the um, strategies that have been developed um, w- one of them is, I guess, the um, it's compulsory within two years of the signing of the Memorandum of Understanding for all existing staff to have an update on their treaty training, and so that's at three levels. So there's there's um, the Treaty of Waitangi Workshop, which places the MOU um, as the context that informs our need 
to have good treaty partnerships as an institution. The second level is after the treaty, what then? So you think, now how does that work in my position, whether I'm the gardener or the cleaner or or the male lady or the CEO? So it applies across all staff? Yep, absolutely. And then there is um, te reo tikaka in the treaty. So that's looking at the language that we use and based on what the treaty promised, i te reo, and then... Um, in English, and then how we apply that in terms of ourselves as taking it beyond the operational level. How do I do this and embed that within and across my curriculum so we don't always have get guest something to do this bit of things Māori or that bit of things Māori. So that's those three levels. We've also created in-house training called Te Mata Ao Māori, and that is um, ceremonial use um, of things Māori based on kaitahutaka um, that we have on campus. So we don't, as kaitahu, kiaraituru, ever have pōwhiri unless they're on the marae. What we do have is mihi whakatau. So the types of different ceremonial uses we would have as an institution to honour people who come here as waiwaitapu, um, um, welcoming students, whatever, and, and that everyone has to then slowly but surely enrol in that. The second level of that, so that's just being rolled out this year as the second time, it's at half year, and then next year there's um, te reo in the workplace. So it's learning that reo that's useful for those, whether they're an admin or at council level or that type of thing. So it's we're not saying be bilingual, we're saying know the type of reo that you should know when you write a letter, that you should know when you greet someone who's visiting um, in terms of Māori academics within the institution or here, and whenever we have a panel coming in we always um, give them a mahi whakatau. So that's a, a, an absolute requirement. And then the last part of that three lots of certification that make up the whole of that um, of that qualification of staff training is the um, learning about the landscape. So, for instance, this place is called Unu Unu Kapukiteragi, and years ago it was the site on which you learned what we learn now, applied learning. So there were tools found under this block when Huata and I did the Whakawati when they were excavating. So this is where you learn to make tools. Further up on the other side of Orfield where the university is, you did the Matauraga um, Aruga, you know, kawaiārunga, kawaiāraro. Oh. So the esoteric stuff, that was learned there. And then the weaponry and stuff, those skills were learned across on the other side of Orfield where the college continues to be situated even though it's there. So we had, it was always a place of learning. And so in, in the way we perceive it as kaitahu and as runaka, the same type of learning goes on and the same types of tikaka and kawa should sit around that learning. So our hope is that when I when I get up at the front of the year, we cook breakfast for all staff, the leadership team does, and we do it again in spring to celebrate spring. We talk about what we do and who we are, and you people get to introduce themselves, you know, to do a, do a pepiha or say a hello and so-and-so. So one of the, I always say I'm browning up the polytech. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean brown bums on seats. It means that whoever we graduate from here knows exactly how to interact with iwi. And if they don't, then we failed. We failed them because we are 
going to be the greatest numbers of users of the people that we graduate from this institution, whether it's in design or building. So if you're going to build my house and you're an apprentice here, yeah. you need to know there's a whakawat here mm. and you will expect to be there at that. Mm. And so we remove the tapu so you can get on and make me a house and then we put it back on and you're not just the builder. You need to know that that's how we do things. Mm. So that where there's a clear application of that and say health provision, to me it's clear in everything we offer. If you're designing my house, you mm. need to know how to engage mm. with me. So mm. that's what I mean by browning it up. So does that mean that you've got, um, you have staff that are fully supportive of this kaupapa mm-hmm. within each department? Mm-hmm. The way our system works is that we have group managers, so we have um, one that's the health area, one that's arts and designs and information technology, one which is sports and business, one which is the central Otago campus, and one which is student services. Okay, so all of those senior managers or those members of the leadership team are directly responsible for seeing that their staff undertake their treaty training. We work collaboratively to make the building blocks through the Māori strategic framework so that there are guidelines for them to follow. But it's not a tick box exercise. And so yesterday out of Komiti and uh, Kiwahu and Komiti Kawanataka meeting one of the um, leaders was presenting what they do in the health group and then one of the external um, like our PIAC said, so how are you going to measure that, the success of what you're doing? Because it won't be what you what you give the students, it'll be what the recipients of those services have to say. So, you know, it's kind of like that's another taking it another level. Hmm. Does it work? It seems to be working hmm. so far. Um, and, you know, and whilst there, we will always have pockets of resistance, we put the effort into those... I guess, who are willing and keen to learn. And so heads of school and heads of program are leading the way by enrolling in those courses first because you cannot have an expectation of staff below you or students that you cannot have of yourself. And so the leadership team itself is working its way through that qualification as well. And so they do theirs as we, we go off and have retreats, but perhaps two a year are on that treaty specific things and they're had on the marae. Others are in different places and they might be about budgeting or whatever, but two a year are on the memorandum of understanding and the Māori strategic framework and how we're getting on and making it work and operationalising it. So how much of um, this gets filtered through to the students? Well, what each head of program is required to do is to slowly but surely, as you update and alter and change your curriculum, this has got to be embedded within it. So you can't embed something that you don't know, and that's why there's the all the in-house training. Even though we offer it externally as well, we offer it in-house as well. So we have what's called a, um, a treaty education training unit, and it works in a bicultural way in that they're all the much of the delivery is done by both a Māori and a non-Māori facilitation process because that's to me is what partnership's about it's about walking the talk and where have they been accessing their training from well initially i used to work here in a contracted position to train trainers 
before I took up this role. So they have an assessment process of their own to see that they're up to task. And I'm a hard task mistress, as anyone would tell you. I've got apparently two nicknames. One's the Tane Farm, one's the Dragon. <laughs> so that's all good, isn't it? You're the second person I've met whose nickname is Donifa. <laughs> so the students, you know, there's been some discussion about you have Māori students now who are in their 20s mm-hmm. and they haven't experienced any of the struggle that their grandparents or you know, possibly even their parents experienced. I mean, are you finding that's the case when you, when you interact with students? And what I mean by struggle, I mean by things around you know, fighting for the real mm. um, land marches. You know, this is a generation that, is ben- uh, that mm. will be benefiting from all the claim settlements. I think for many, um, their struggle is whether they're haukaika or urban. That's their struggle. Everything else is in place for them. And and for them, for us it was a something-nothing. For them it's a huge issue. And so it's horses for courses and time and place, I think. So the struggles are no different. There are lots of things in place that they can access, but they can't access ahika. Mm. unless they live there mm. and often living there means they can't access then all those other things that they can by being kāti urban you know? mm. so, so it's a different a different type of struggle for them that, that many of them are matatau i te reo but whose reo is it that they're matatau i te mm. is it one that meets um, an educational tertiary educational rules and regs one and that's fine if it is, but often I think they believe some of their olds, me being one of them, included that, yeah, followers don't speak proper good at all. You're not grammatically correct. No, we're not, possibly. Um, so we don't use the, you know, the superlatives, so o tātou ake We just say te reo, It's just different. So we learn it and, and know it in a conversational-only form, whereas our children and moguls know it as... It's grammatically fabulous. <laughs> but everybody sounds like everyone else. And I was listening to that one night at Tepu, you know, watching Māori TV, how that despite the fact that we have so many more with the reo now, if you shut your eyes, nor here, nor here. So we mm. now have this new thing of pepeha. Will you stand up and tell where you're from? Where once upon a time you could pick it, it. you could pick it just by the meter. Yeah. I mean, and you still can with some. Yes, you can. But they usually tend to be of a certain certain age, mm. Mm. Yeah. and even you could also tell by the the type of uh, kupu that we use. Mm. So, like with my nannies and my karawa, they'd um, you know, they'd use words that you know, mm. real. Or new meaning, yeah. <laughs> not just these hard case transliterations. Okay. And you know, more <laughs> like when we first started resurrecting our delta, you know, before the Kotahi Manukaika thing that the Iwi's, you know, supportive of, and, and that's great. We we had things like um, like there's a holiday there about around Hoputiti, and it's a mutton bird as well. There's a holiday that, and, and the use of it. So we've got the lakes down here, the Mavora, you know, and Kilmog not kirimoko. So you've got a whole mitta here that people think isn't a mitta, and it is, it's ours, it's yeah. just different. But our young 
bright, gifted young, you know, totally matatawi te reo, got no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> so they they can accept the poa and thawa thing. Mm. And, but kaumata is not one of our words. Kahui is. However, you know, you get into marriage or people coming down and it's a word that you take on. And our word for, we didn't have a word for, we didn't have a word called pākehā. We had tākatabula. So we still talk about our waka and our bula. The bula is your tahatawi we side. People are boats. Tākatabula. That's how we said, not pōra, bula. <laughs> and you know, the, when I did that interview on with young Annabelle and them up in Māori TV, they said to me, oh, would you sing a way? So I said, oh, okay. So I did one, you know, but talking about Pukekura, and it's one of our one of our um, leaping places there, you know. There's a policy where you can go, you don't necessarily need to head up north if you're feeling lazy. But um, it talks about, it's a kaipuke. That's our word for uh, wakarako, wakawairua, kaipuke. And it's meke meke tia kolai taukai pokai. So that it's quite distinctly different. It is. But, you know, as, as, the, as the Solomons would say, and I've got savvy, <laughs> they don't understand what we're talking about when mm. we're using this. Mm. And so those of us who got that, that uh, old hill and those old enunciations and pronunciations understand the other way mm. but you know there's nothing there to su- to support it and so Huta uses that a lot you know uses that the wadi we you know hear people talk about wadi flat it's fuddy but you know we drop the so we've got you know you've got whanga and we've got aka or haka because you've got the haka tatamia you know the valley up, up um, north otago or akaropo you know the island in the middle of um you know, of uh, Littleton Harbour. And so there's not absolute consistency. Collard Bay, you know. Mm. It's all good. It's just different. Waihula, you know, the lake out near the... Yeah, when um, I was driving yeah. in, I was going... They've misspelled that. What sort of that. word is that? Is that supposed to be Waihula? No. That's all it is. It's just different. But there are whole words which are completely different. So there's a thing that you use to um, expel the air from a poha, you know, and you're packing the tea tea, and and we call it the bunawe. And I've got no idea how you spell it. (laughs) But it's what it's called, you know. You You just know what it is. So, toa and poa. Where do those words come from? They're just our words. So the tub is the grandmother and oh, the poa is the grandfather. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's just all we've ever called it, you know? And the word for the mother is not fire, it's the hākui. Hākui, yeah. I, I've heard that um, used around kahununu, mm-hmm. around, around kahununu as well. But the tawa and the poa, it's actually really lovely to hear that, you know, mm-hmm. And then there are a variation on its pronunciation. The further south you go, the more they draw. So yeah. it's Tawa. <laughs> Kia ora. Dr. Kyla Russell with some of those fantastic words specific to Kaitahu dialect. Kei te 
In October of this year, a Waitangi Tribunal settlement was reached that was 11 years in the making, meaning great things for its beneficiaries, the students of Te Wānanga o Raukawa. And you're the Tumuaki of Tiwananga Oraikawa. Ah. Now today there is a signing of a settlement. Perhaps you could let us know what that's all about. Yes, this is the Y718 claim that was taken to the Waitangi Tribunal in 1997 by the three Wananga. Um, and that's Tiwananga o Aotearoa, Te Wananga o Awanui Arangi and Tiwananga Oraikawa, uh, who uh, took a claim against the Crown insofar as they did not provide an establishment grant at, and at the time that uh, the three wānanga were legislated and then uh, set up, and uh, as is done for uh, universities, polytechs and other tertiary institutions. So the three wānanga began without any establishment seeding uh, grant from the wānanga. Now I understand that, yet, that the other two wānanga settled, Yes. and this is... Rokawa finally settling today. That's correct. Now, why is that? Why, I mean, you guys were the three that mm. set up Wānanga. Uh, why is it that Rokawa has held back from settling? Well, each of us negotiated separately, and um, I suppose for our purposes, we had some quite important principles that we wanted to be acknowledged in the settlement, and it's taken uh, quite a long time, as you know, and a lot of discussion to get to that point. Now this is what's known as a contemporary claim, isn't it? Yes. So could you explain what that is? Well, a claim that's, uh, that, that relates to uh, post-1840 um, and to circumstances occurring you know, for us now. So what is, um, what is, what's the Wānanga got planned for the settlement funding that's going to come back to you? Uh, we, we don't have a plan yet. We want to have the money in the bank first before we start making any plans. There's many ways that we could go with this, but essentially the, the funding is for plant and buildings. Um, now those that are familiar with Tuanang Oroko know that our practice in the past has been to bring used buildings onto our campus and to uh, refurbish them, and that's how we've survived in the past. And this, this settlement gives us an opportunity to have other options. Kia ora, Mariana Salvi. At our website, radionz.co.nz forward slash you'll see some links with additional information. And while there, why not join our emailing list where you get our newsletter and you can also check out our previous programs, radionz.co.nz forward slash This is a verse from my song, One People, One Nation. As I suffer my secret messages to whoever wants to listen, I'm not a racist, but I'm aware of what's been pushed onto us. People continue and display your cultures. Try and believe it. Can't you see the evidence? We marginalized communities are given their limits on language, custom, employment and health. When they think of Māori, do they really think of wealth? No, no doubt. They think that we're all just criminals who have to steal to eat and blood of the government crumbs don't think we dumb don't think we chose to lose what was our forefathers tonga can't you see we're not in abundance of much oh and why they want to strip things that will attempt to assist us what's the rush of the maori climbing up too fast that we must be stopped listen we won't still can't believe it and those that choose to vote for it 
are choosing to ignore their residential agreement. Have they read it? If they had, they know their rent's been due. Since the first time our people contracted the flu, it wasn't you. Oh, pardon my finger. I've been doing my best to control my temper. One people, one nation, one country can only exist if one people, one nation. Kilda. Kazarina Pihira no Nasirangi Wewehi with one of her rhymes. Now, recently she shared the stage with a predominantly male lineup at a hip hop gig. Now, that was all part of the Kaupapa Māori Music Week Pau 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 celebrations that were held here in Wellington back in October. We'll have more of her next week and a couple of the other music she performed with that day. DJ Kinetic and Infinite Winster. DJ Kinetic presents Kinetic Underground. Aotearoa Hip Hop Music. Representing 
because Māori people don't have PCs, they mm. don't have credit cards, mm. and therefore it's very hard for them to use tikitik. And we had to find a way around that. And uh, every in the last few years, we've managed to, to get on top of it and, and get the people here. But I think it's um, we're looking at it now and thinking, okay, where is it going to go over the next three to five years? And it may grow into a major one-day festival, or it could go. We we could keep going with the with the Kaupapa Māori Music Week. Um, you know, but then it becomes once again, you know, three or four events in a week, and that becomes very very hard in itself. Yeah. Now tonight you um, you did something a little special that you haven't done in previous years. You awarded some tohu to some of the performers. Yeah, I th- I've been thinking about it for since I've, I've taken over Pop Pop because the criteria for playing in Pop Pop not everybody can play in Pop Pop mm. you know. And I know that people are really disappointed when they don't make it. The first year I ran it, we had fourteen people on stage. It was a nightmare. It went for six hours. <laughs> You know, we, we all got home at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> we started at 7 and finished at Kids would have been morning. falling asleep all over the place. Well, yeah, not to mention the parents. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and we had to talk about that. So the following year, last year, we, we cut it back to 8 or 9. But then we found it still went for three and a half hours. And so we thought we'd be even even more clever. But this, this year we have had a situation where we didn't have the finances available to us that we've had in the previous years. So we cut it back to 5, you know, and... Uh, we're still going over time. <laughs> we're still half an hour over. And I think the, the awards were a really, really nice touch because for people like Brannigan Carr, who have been playing in this industry for a very, very long mm, which time... Which is what he said. He's been involved know, in the industry for what, over was 40 a, years? Yeah, it's a huge thing for, for him to be acknowledged. And what we wanted was to... You know, when we selected the artists every year, we said, OK, who has been doing the work? Mm. You know, And that's how they get their place in Pop Pop Pop. And they become part of the pop 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 whanau. And I've yet to, uh, I've got to tell you, I've never played at pop pop pop, but it doesn't bug me, you know, because I, I think if I've done the work, then I'll get to play. But now that I've become the Poisoning Chairman, it kind of feels funny, you know, having that kind yeah. of conflict of interest. Yeah. But it is so important to be acknowledged. And for me, the Crown and Glory was winning, you know, the Maioha Award and the Tui Award in, in 2003. And it was great. And I sat there and I hugged that thing. And now I look at it and I go, what a, you know, you could kill people with their Tui Awards, you know? <laughs> but for Brannigan, you know, to be acknowledged by. Because playing at Pop Pop is an acknowledgement by your peers that you've done you've done the business for the year, and so that was a really wonderful thing to be able to give him that award tonight. And um, because they've, they've got a, a beautiful piece of ponamu, which has been polished up on one side, it's for holding in your hand. It's not for wearing. It's for holding in your hand. It's for healing when you're sick and not feeling well, and it's got the Puatatangi logo on it. And that's a, a tradition we're going to have to keep now. And um, but also the um, the certificates. There was never going to be any other name than Te Tohu Ahinerogatari because one that is the story of the you know of, of music, the goddess of music. But it's also about Hirani as well, Hirani yeah. Melbourne. You know, acknowledging the work that he's done and carrying it on. You know, not 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 maudling on and on about his passing, but saying to him, Hirani, we're, we're we're proud to carry on your legacy. We're proud to take it you know to another place, and thank you for for having the the vision to do it. Um, so you know, it's there's a lot of really, really great aspects of those awards that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really happy that they've got them, and every one of them appreciated them. Although um, we we thought because Ariana was from the South Island, we'd give her a hiru because every year we've given given one of the female performers a hiru as a, a special tongue. Last year we gave it to Ngātai Huata, and this year um, Poitatangi and Toi Māori determined that it should go to Ariana, and she said to me. You know, oh, but I haven't got a ponamu. <laughs> and my partner, who's from Detai Poteni down the southwest, and she says to me, oh no, Ariana will be swimming in ponamu, you know. So, um, 
Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a beautiful one, and the one we're waiting on is one for for Billy TK because we presented Te Tohua Hinera Kotori Kiai to him, I should say, on um, on Wednesday night, and but the poem arrived this morning, so we've got Billy's to present. But yeah, very special, I think, and and, and really nice to see that they they treasure it, you know. And I was thinking, you know, <laughs> for some of the artists that'll be, it would just be amazing standing on stage with some of, you know, some of the more maybe experienced. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, one of the things I really enjoyed about uh, the hip-hop show last night was the networking that was going on, and the performers were just enjoying being with each other. And that's all part of it, you know, and and the Pāpā Pāpāwhānau is about that. You know, it's nice to see... You know, to see Brannigan and Fiddy seeing each other after such a long time, and you know, Andrea, and and for myself, seeing them all again every year, you know, and my personal mission. You see, I was talking to Ruya earlier on, and he was talking about, you know, it's nice to have somebody running the event that understand what's like, what it's like to be backstage, on stage, and out in the audience. And I says, and most importantly, bro, who understands what it's like to practice and practice and rehearse your band, and go someplace and get paid a thousand bucks to play to two people. You know, I said I'd rather play for nothing and play to 500 people. And and for them, this is a big part of Pop Pop Pop. The, the personal challenge for me is to get those those wonderful musicians in front of an appreciative crowd. Oh look, and the crowd is appreciative as it is every year. Yep. You know, people are out there with their whanau, their tamariki are running around. It's a tamariki friendly zone. Yep. <laughs> but that's what it's about. Pop 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 is about fun. You know, it, it, once you take the fun out of Pop Pop Pop, it won't happen. And we were, were a little bit concerned about turning out of hip hop. I'll tell all last night, but if you look at it, they're two totally different markets. Yeah. Um, the hip hoppers have, have, you know, have their preferences, and they're a certain age, and some of them are here tonight. Mm. But Pao 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 is about all ages, you know. And um, this year we were a little bit worried about that, but Horny went out and did his uh, his his DJ history of Māori music, which people loved, you know, and it's a great way to start it. Um, so there's something in there for everybody. But this is about Fano North to ninety. Um, parents who would normally be stuck at home and couldn't take anybody with them can bring their children and know they're going to be safe and in a friendly place. And it's also affordable. Well, does, yeah. does much discussion go into that? You know, yeah, how we much do. you're going to charge? That's that's you know, marketing is about going to the to going to the market and saying you know what do you want and how much will you pay for it, and you know, full price thirty dollars, um, half price fifteen, and the concession rate is fifteen as well for Komatu and students, but there was a group booking rate of $10 um, per ticket for groups of 10, you know, and you can't get any cheaper than that, <laughs> not for this quality of, of performance, no. you know. The, I mean, Ari and the Tikai was stunning tonight. Beautiful, beautiful ethereal music, you know, um, and, and though for some people that mightn't have been their cup of tea, they can appreciate just how beautiful that, that those sounds were. I mean, Fiddy Muckle's just been on and she's sounding absolutely wonderful. Um, and I'm sure that Ria has got that hakiwa band of his prime to really, you know, get that audience up and dancing. And, the, and that's, you know... The pricing, yeah, the pricing is, is really, really important because if you make it too dear, they won't come because they can't afford it. And it's, and it's you know, economic um, times are starting to bite now. Um, the economy is, um, is in a recession. There are, um, people are losing jobs. And, and, and generally you'll find that Māori are at the bottom of that pile, you know. And so it's wonderful to see them here tonight. I, I, um, and I, I sincerely meant it when I, when, I, you know, when I acknowledged them tonight. Thank you for coming and, and supporting these people and spending your money, your hard-earned money. You know, it's wonderful. Now you also mentioned <coughs> earlier Nahui that uh, Māori music doesn't necessarily get much of an opportunity to portray itself. No, it doesn't. We, this Papa Pao 
is, has now become the premier Māori music event, and it's only a, a three or four hour concert, you know, and it's once a year. In order to stimulate the industry and to get people going, we need more events, and that's why I welcome the Māori Music Awards, you know, because it's another opportunity to showcase who we are. And probably next next year we may see the two together, Pop 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 and the Māori Music Awards, packaged together. So it's really wonderful to um, to have that on board, but it would be really lovely if there was a Māori music circuit. And, but we have to stimulate the industry and we have to grow the industry to that point. I mean, Pao 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 has been um, a product that has been around since 2002. And, you know, and I, I mean, it's, it sounds horrible and all the rest of it. I know that it's a brand and it's all those types of things. But to marketers, that's what it is, you know. And <clears throat> we've built it and we've built it, and now people come to it and expect a certain standard. And um, they expect to see very, very good musicians, international class musicians out there giving international class performances. And I think that's what we've seen tonight. Well, you deliver it every year. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's the goal. Mm. That's the goal. And, and we'll do it again next year, you know. Uh, so I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud that we were able to pull it off again. But, geez, I could do it with a sleep. And a feed. And a feed, a huge feed, actually. Himihiatu kiakwe nahiwi apanui. In the 1960s and 1970s, Māori moved en masse to the cities, whether it was for employment or targeted government schemes to weaken tribal structures. Now that trend has been reversed as many of that generation or their kids move back home to their papakainga, taking with them, and I quote, their city-fied ways, and the skills they've acquired in industries that ideally will transfer over into a hapu setting. Tim Manawatu is hoping what he's learned will benefit his marae, takahanga and kaikoura. And last week he played host to the thousands of naitahu who descended upon the township for their annual hui. Uh, kia ora, my name is Tim Manawatu. I am the kaihotu or general manager for takahanga marae. I have um, assumed the role since January this year. Previously to that I was the kaihotu for Onuku marae on the peninsula. And it's been eight years with Kokorata Runanga as well as the administrator. But now I'm back home um, after 33 years away to see the changes. And how does it feel to come back home to your marae? I actually feel quite relaxed about it. Yeah, it wasn't what I expected I'd feel like, but it is nice to be home. And do don't you s- tell anyone. <laughs> do you still have um, your brothers and sisters around? I, I do. Um, Mum and Dad's still here. Um, I, I have one, two, three of my brothers have returned home and one sister. The rest are all over the place. But yeah, that's good. So tell me about some of the things that the marae does. In my role since I've been here, I've tried to um, encourage the whānau to come back to the marae. Um, I've tried to to not only realign the runanga, so we're running off and operating quite smoothly, and well within the bounds of the treaties and every other uh, document we have to adhere to in terms of resource consents and issues like that. Um, but I think my main drive has been to realign the whānau, to bring all the whānau back into Takahanga. There was, um, so that's to encourage um, those whānau who have lived in the cities for a long time and their kids and their mukupuna uh, to come back? To come back or to come back and resettle back in Dakota? No, 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 not only them. The local whānau were quite oh. divided. So I need to encourage them to be part of the marae, to make them feel welcome, to bring them back into the fold. You know, So once they're there, then I can look at the others and say, hey, this is a nice place to be, why don't you come home and have a look? 
so we saw your offices. They're pretty flash, eh? That's some view that you've got every day. <laughs> pretty right tough out on life. The sea like that. <laughs> <a> tough life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's a, a very beautiful place. Very scenic. It's got everything. Million dollar views. Why people try to hide it, I don't know. So I've soon changed that. Karen Starkey, on the other hand, has always stayed close to Kaikoura. Her mother, Lexi, was brought up in Kaikoura at her whānau marae, Manga Maunu. We'll hear from that queer next week. I met with Karen at Takahanga Marae in September, and she gave me some background on the marae. The current that flows through here coming up from Antarctic and the one coming from um, Wellington, the... One of the currents is called Te Taio Marukura, and our health unit here is Te Taio Marukura. And so we're keeping those names alive. And the whānau work in there in the social and health side. So for the health and wealth of our hapu, our iwi and our whānau here in Māori katoa, even non-Māori are part of the services that we have. Um, this office along here is our general manager, which is Tim Manawatu and Raywin Solomon, and she's really big on the um, environment. Um, Who wouldn't want to come to work here, man, with a view like that, looking out on the looking out on the water? It's absolutely beautiful, and with that, those trees cut down, old man pine and things. There was nothing there that were just, you know, old man pine, you just got to get rid of. So this way it's opened it up. We have a marae garden, but in the front of our marae garden we have pingal growing, which has been donated and people have given us pieces. We have um, Fijoa hedge. We have little tunnel houses, um, lots of interesting um, gardens and lots of action going down around here in Takahanga. We do have um, seaweed. You've got some kaitiaki planted in the oh, Namata. They're all around here, everywhere. So we'll move towards the front of the Farikai and to Poha or to Tohu Raumati. But we have here, this is our dining room, and so you can open the doors, spread out. We also, when they've finished doing their carving, because we don't have a carving shed, things the boys have been over here, so we block it up and clean it up. Um, the men do. Um, we've had Cliff Whiting down doing some pieces. No more harder, mate. Keep to point to the carving. No, that's there. They don't come over past those oh, seats. Okay. Past the seats. <clears throat> Um, yeah, so we we just stay there because they normally cover it over so that we aren't there. But So these are all being carved for here? For here. They're going to be poe put up. A bit like these poe that you see up here, these paikia diving. These are the um, the, the tūpuna that have been around. Um, so they look very cliff whiting us. Uh, the whole, base, basically the whole lot is cliff whiting Does he fuck up up here? Cole, he's been coming here though for years. When we opened the the um, Fari Tupuna, he was one of the ones. And so you get the fancy one if you've seen it at Te Papa, and you've seen it at um, this is the first meeting house that was like it here. So Cliff came here and did that with all our Fano and with with the blessing of the the hapu, the iwi, and so. Because I must say, some of the structures that are around the path, um, a huge, Karen, are 
arresting. <laughs> you know, like those, there are three figures standing on the side of the, the whare there. Look, photos would never be able to do this justice. That's why it's quite incredible being here. Mm. Now, how tall are they? Um, I can't remember how tall they are. But okay, so they look like they're about one, two, three, maybe six, five people. Five, five people, people high. high. Yes, they do. And they're standing yeah. in a row behind the pie pie, and they just look incredible. And they really suit the environment Byram. in terms of they're looking out towards the ranges there. And for people and towards the sea. Towards the people of the sea, and you can see if anybody was going to be up on that moana, that that's what you would get. You would see them coming through. And so they're basically our kaitiaki. Karen Starkey, and at our website radionz.co.nz forward slash you'll see some photos of the marae. Puritia tāwhia kia ita, te mana whenua, te mana tīpuna, te mana tāngata, teno rangatiratanga. Mō tātou ā, mō kauri āmuri ake nei. Hold fast and firm to my rights of this land to my inherited authority, to my freedom and rights to self-determination, creating our own destiny for us and our children after us. Kia ora, Jason Tikari no Ngāti Maniopoto with the statement Naitahu Development Corporation aspire to. Hoi anō ko tēnei te mutunga te ahikā e te iwi, he mihi atu tēnei ki nā kai kōrero me nā hoa mahi i tēnei wiki. Hoki mai anō, hei tērā wiki, mai te whānau a te ahi kā ki a tātou katoa e tiwi, mauri ora tātou katoa.